and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Lucy, the most exciting thing has happened this evening. About an hour ago, I had a load of compost delivered. What? I I tell you what, that actually, for me, as a horticulturist, that excites me to my core because, and also I can see in your eyes, they're all twinkly. You look, you do look very excited. Tell me about your compost delivery, Saul. I know you want to. Do you know, it sounds like the most bland thing on planet Earth. And if you'd asked me a a month ago, I probably would have never said anything. But in this day and age, we're trying to get hold of this stuff is hard enough. Just to have 10 bags of, um, well, it's the Melcourt Silvergrow, which I've started trialling this year. It's a peat-free, bark-based compost. Uh, Last year, I was using the New Horizon uh, compost, but this year I've I've trialled this. Tad bit more expensive, but the quality is so good. There's definitely a compost that I'm going to be using going on. I've tried it myself this year, and the, the feel of the stuff in your hands is so crumbly and fine it doesn't lump together in yeah it's, and it's it uniform all it's the gorgeous. you know from every bag you don't get any lumps or bumps or bits of this and that it's it is a beautiful compost i've had 10 bags of that delivered six bags of johnny's number three because i like to mix it together give it a bit of body and uh, a load of feed and some horticultural grit and i am the happiest man that you can imagine well done. Well done. You do look beaming tonight. So when you say you've had some fertiliser uh, delivered as well, what's your fertiliser that you order? Well, because I grow, uh, I've got quite a collection of Brugmansia. Uh, anyone who doesn't know what Brugmansia are, they're the angel trumpets. They come from South America. Uh, and unfortunately, they are gross feeders. And when I say gross feeders, they are the the thing that I probably feed every two days. Wow. Um, and they don't like a liquid feed. Uh, it just washes through and it doesn't feed them enough. So I get um, an inorganic feed. It's uh, miracle Grow in essence, because um, it just feeds them just lovely. And I also got a big bottle of tomato right, because later in the season, when I want things to flower and fruit really nicely, tomato right's my, my must have. Get that potash in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Both both uh, ornamentals and uh, edible plants. I find tomatoite does well for both. Well done. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I haven't had a compost delivery yet. Mine is due on Friday. So when you see me oh. on Friday, I will be all twinkly and b- bouncy and excitable. Um, but I am also still a little bit bouncy because tomorrow, instead of going to the hall, I have my day where I do some writing at home, but I also have a little bit of leeway in that I can get out into the garden as well. I've got so many vegetable seedlings to prick out, pot up, all sorts of stuff. I'm going to be selling my plants soon at the end of the driveway. By the end of the month, I'm thinking. So... It's all Brilliant. cranking up. It's all cranking up. Very, very excited. I've got rocket, mizuna, um, basil, lettuces, peas. Oh, so much stuff, Saul. So much stuff. It's ridiculous. I tell you what, I, I know that you went to East Donnerland over the Easter break, but I've been off for four days uh, at home, which has been lovely. 
But uh, just going back this week's been a, the change from last week to this week, just that heat over Easter. Yeah. Things are growing their socks off. All my seedlings in the greenhouse need, you know, putting into my cold frames, ready to harden off to be planted. I'm starting to put all my uh, more uh, less hardy uh, sowings in. It, it, the The season is going, and it does this every year. You sort of wait for four months over winter, and I you know. think, "Oh, nothing's happening, nothing happening," and then suddenly it accelerates within a few days, it really and you've does. got jobs all over the place to be getting on with. I'm glad that your seedlings survived though in the greenhouse because I know you were worried about them because there was there was not going to be any watering done, was there? And I was like, "Because I have to go to the hall, or myself, or Jade the apprentice, we're at the hall every day." watering mm. uh, watering and i was like how is it going to work but obviously it has done yeah no it, it worked really well actually i put the shades uh we, we got this sourcing in all dancing greenhouse where i can put external shades down which really reduces the temperature in the greenhouse by something like 10 degrees Great. and also the monday was slightly cooler down in the west country i'm sure it was for you which mm. probably saved me slightly from things getting a little bit dehydrated so got in on tuesday watered everything and everything's just romping so i can't wait really because i've got onions shallots peas all sorts to go in the vegetable garden and soon the owner will be saying why is there nothing in the veg garden um it'll go from that to just things growing away so that'll be good gorgeous talking about things romping away something i've had to turn my attention to this week at the hall is our herbaceous borders oh my god Oh, I think they've been fueled by all the moisture that we had at the beginning. If we can cast our minds back to when we did actually have some rain falling from the sky. I know it was a long time ago now, um, especially for us in Essex. But they they have really, really taken off. We've got uh, two, I think I showed you, didn't I? The two big, long, herbaceous borders at the hall. So you saw them in the... In the have we cut them down by then? You saw them in the winter, didn't you? Or was it the autumn? No, I think you hadn't quite cut them down. I saw saw it in its sort of end stage, as it were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they were all all the herbaceous borders. We um, we 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 chop them right back. We do ours in the autumn because I, I found for us with our with our work, workforce that we have and the the workload that the garden demands of us in the spring. Actually, I'm pulled left, right, and centre, especially with the wall kitchen garden. So we cut our herbaceous borders back in the late autumn. And then I can also with our light sandy soil, if I need to lift, split and divide and transplant things, I can do that in the autumn and then they can settle in before the spring and then the mm. summer drought comes. So it actually does work okay. I know people do like to see the structure through the winter, but it's just not practical for us. So so that's how I manage it. Um but yeah, I say we've put some mulch down, we've got seat poses down um beneath the mulch, so it's all irrigated. I've had the irrigators on for the last two days um, on the trot, actually, just to really, really soak the soil because it was so dry. But, oh my, yeah, as I say, the the Alstroemeria, the Dailies, mm. the um, Achilles, oh, so much stuff is is literally... It's a, it's a good knee height now and I need to get, I need to get my stakes in. I don't stake everything, but I do stake certain things in the border. So I thought I could maybe, if it's interesting, explain to people what I stake, what I use why I'm staking them, how I do. There's all different methods for staking, isn't there? So Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think we stake probably quite differently. One of the articles I did read um, in the Garden magazine by uh, John uh, Grimshaw, who's quite a well-known gardener, I think he directs the Yorkshire Arboretum, mm. is that he doesn't stake anything because he likes everything to go all over the place. Now, I did try that for one year because I thought that's a brilliant way <laughs> of me saving labour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
maybe I don't quite like that effect, especially when you know, <laughs> I, I, we grow a lot of Viringium at um, Stonelands, uh, the Sea Holly. Mm. And when that is just going all over the place, it's not pretty and it's not an easy weed around either because it is a spiky bugger. Excuse mm. my French. Um, so we'll, forgi- we'll I, forgive you. <laughs> I, I, I actually now pick and choose the plants I stake. But I think you stake quite a fair amount more than I do. So do you want to explain how you stake at East Onland? Well, we do. And I could say, I think it's because I, I've observed, like you, you know, you observe the borders, you experiment with certain things. You think, I might leave that and just see what happens. And in doing so, sometimes you think that plant can actually get away without being staked. And other times it's a total car crash. And so you think, right, I do, do you know what? I do need to intervene. So, um... For the, the plants that I don't stake, for example, I find that heleniums are really good and self-supporting. They've got very strong vertical stems and I actually use those as a stake in the garden because behind those I have some um, uh, some rudbeckias which do need a little bit of support. So I actually put the heleniums in front of the rudbeckias. I do the same with, um, I've got some bronze fennel which is very tall at the back of the border and in front of that I have some Achillea cloth of gold which is very very tall and, and vertical. It does need a stake in front of the Achillea but then when I put that in that supports the Achillea but then the, the Achillea supports the fennel. So I'm learning that there's actually little you know tweaks and tips and things so you don't have to stake every individual plant the daylilies i don't bother staking whatsoever neither do i the the we've got purple salvias we've got penstemons um allium obviously alliums i don't bother staking lichularia i don't bother staking anything like that but what i will stake um we've got some quite prominent um acanthus mollus at each end of the hot border and the cool border actually as well and I do find that by the end of the season, if I don't stake those, they grow up and up and up and they get to a good metre high and then they flop. So initially they don't need staking. You think, oh, that's Mm. fine. I don't need to worry. But if you don't get the stakes in when the clump of foliage is still quite short, so ours is now maybe about a foot high and I'm going to be staking those on Friday. Um, If I don't get that staking in, A, it doesn't disappear in amongst the foliage because I don't like my staking to be that visible. I do like it to sort of disappear if it possibly can. But yeah, as I say, you think you've got away with it. And then by the end of the season, it's just carnage, complete carnage. So It's amazing what you say about Achillea. Uh, We've got that at Stonelands as well. And Mm. you you think it's all going to be fine. You think, oh, it's growing strongly. Everything looks fine. And as soon as it puts on that weight of flower head... Yeah. And you just have a, a tad bit of rain or maybe a little bit of wind... And then suddenly it flops. And then whatever you do to try and get it back up into how it looked, it'll never go back into no. that sort of perfect plant again. Yeah. Um, at Stonelands, we got two sort of types of staking. We were really lucky that when the owner bought the place, in the back of one of the sheds, one of the old sheds, was roughly 200 of these half loop wire uh, supports you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're brilliant. But the only problem with those is they only do to a certain height. So anything that grows up higher tends to just flop over the top of them. So Mm. they're great for holding back things like our salvias and napita and sort of holding things apart from each other. But for the more taller stuff, like our uh, aringiums and other bits and pieces, we've got five bamboo uh, clumps. I think I've described these before on a past podcast for canes that we use in the veg garden but they're great because i can get canes from them also for supports and generally i'll just stick them into the plants and then it's literally just a bit of twine 
just yeah. around the plants. It's just to stop them from falling apart from the centre. Yeah. Just to give them that extra bit of support. We do that with our delphiniums. I, there's, so I, again, I have different stakes for different plant habits. So the stake that you're describing, this sort of single vertical strong cane, we have got some um, very tall metal rods. And in the top of those, it's very clever down. It's got a little loop at the top. And they are anything between a metre and a half to two metres tall. So I push them into the earth. And then, for example, individual delphinium stems, I will put those around the delphiniums once only once they start to flower i can get those in actually quite late in the season they're the last staking i do um and then i also use a lot of pea sticks you've seen our beautiful nursery our lovely hazel coppice that we've got at the hall i utilize that an awful lot and and cut, and cut the pea sticks in the winter they're all stacked in the kitchen garden and then i'll move uh, so i cut them when there's no leaves on there obviously so they look much nicer and then i'll move them round to the borders in the spring and um, the, the, they're very useful f- for creating what I call like a little pea stick wall. Or for, so for the acanthus, I put a little ring around the acanthus of pea sticks, only about maybe uh, two foot tall, a little circle to encircle the clump. And then in front of the achillea, and we've got some very tall flocks in the back of the cool border. Uh, I'll put um, not a circle, but just a wall, a little wavy wall. Um, again, they sit about maybe three foot high, something like that, just so that the plants, they can grow up. And then if they want to flop forwards, they can flop, but then the wall stops them flopping onto the ground. So that's, it's a gentle staking that I do there. And the, um, it, we've also got a massive big Rebecca Herbstrom, which gets to, oh, stupid clock. It gets a good 10 foot tall. And I make a massive big pea stick dome for that. Um, and then the stems will go through it and it tends to stay vertical then. So that's what I'm doing there. And pea sticking, if you ever do, find yourself in amongst um, a massive load of pea sticks I find that I, I grade them I actually grade them into different um, qualities and sizes yeah I saw your eyes he's like what you nutter no <laughs> seriously but I do I find that I can then create a much nicer and a much more aesthetically pleasing and a stronger structure to work okay. to work with the plants so for example the ones for the Rebecca Herbstrom which is really tall um, I'll find stems that are at least eight foot tall with, with, with lots of feathering at the side so they can weave into this lovely dome. They've got their left and their right um, mm. stems to weave together to an adjacent pea stick. Um, and then if I just want to make a small wall, then I will um, use the, the more substandard pea sticks that are maybe uh, something like uh, one and a half metres tall with just a few side branches. They, they're more forgiving and I can use those to weave things in. But I find if I don't grade the pea sticks to start off with, then the shape I'm trying to create for the staking doesn't always work. So I have learned that actually being a little bit kind of like pedantic about it and and grading them out does allow you to create better shapes. And then finally is the the good old, like I say, the link stakes, which um, is literally like three or, or so individual vertical stakes that hook onto a circular metal grids and they're fantastic i put them on today for the alstroemerias and geraniums and things that produce a massive big soft mush of vertical stems that you know it looks as flimsy as you like and it needs some support right early on so that's what i'll use my link stakes for and i think yeah the link stakes the pea sticks and the vertical staking that's pretty much the staking that i use 
And like I say, I'm not staking everything, but there are some plants definitely that I do feel I need to step in with. I don't want this, I, I hate trussing things up too much. So I do try and make it look as natural as possible. Um, but yeah, that's, that is, has, that is going to be my week at the hall. And, and you obviously get that all done at the same time. Um, or, or do you sometimes wait till certain plants have grown up a certain height? I ask because mm. with my ringiums, I have to wait till they're a certain height before I can actually um, tie them to, sort of together with that one stake. Because if I do yes. it too early, yep. then I've not actually tied them at the right height and the plant will grow up so high that it'll all flop over. Yeah, the del- So the I'm delphiniums, guessing you have to wait. Are the delphiniums are the only ones that I will leave um, because they have those individual staked stems. And as you say, if you do them when they're really, really young, they actually grow through uh, the stake. It doesn't work. So I wait until their flower buds are just starting to open. I know that then that flower stem has got pretty much to the height it's going to be maybe, you know, grow maybe a few more centimetres, but not too much. So that's when they will go in. But everything else, the link stakes and the pea sticks, that is that is this week's task before it all gets a bit too jungle-like. I was going to say, and, and the inverse is true as well. Don't leave it too long because yeah. eventually the, you just won't be able to get into the borders is one thing. Or you just find trying to tie up plants that are already in the middle of their growth is actually as difficult uh, as trying to get them when they're too young. Oh, so it's awful. There's this yeah. weird, there's this weird window, this Goldilocks zone of a window, yep. uh, where staking is good, and and it's probably happening from now until maybe just just past the the first of May. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, if you're getting out there, get out there and stake. Um, and hopefully you've already mulched. So mulching and staking are the two big tasks for us in the next few weeks. They very much are. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture that have been drastically affected, and we hope that life will return and, like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye. Hello, it's 1976, and this is the Talking Heads podcast with your friends Lucy and Saul. What, 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 what? <laughs>